Let's get down to business. Thanks for coming out tonight. I wrote me a manual, a step-by-step booklet for you to get. Oh, I make money moves. You can't see me. My time is now. What up, what up, what up, guys? Welcome back to the Fitness Times Business Podcast, the show created to provide you with the practical and strategic advice to help you level up in fitness, business, your career, your relationships, and your life. My name is Joseph Metzel. I am your host, and I'm joined in this episode of Your Four by Caleb. Hey, mate. How you doing? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. It's been a crazy... Well, we, we shoot these every um, every fortnight. Uh, you jump in the uh, Your Four segment where we take four of your questions, viewers and listeners, uh, and we break them down as best we can. Man, it's been a, a crazy fortnight. It has been very busy. There's been a lot of shit going on. And uh, I'm excited to be shooting this episode with you because it allows me to kind of just pause everything and focus on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, it's, it's good. It's good. Yeah. So happy days, man. Hey, um, we have been getting some really good questions coming, Caleb, for this podcast. And to be honest, guys, this segment, this Your Four segment of the Fitness Times Business podcast really uh, depends on the quality of the questions that you guys send in. Uh, and the questions thus far have been awesome. Caleb, if the listeners, the viewers have questions that they would like to send in. Where is the best place to send them? Uh, so send them through to either Joseph's like Instagram DMs uh, and mine as well. So my Instagram handle is at caleb.figert. So I'll spell that out for you. C-A-L-E-B dot F-I-E-G-E-R-T. Yeah. And then mine, obviously, at Joseph Medsell, just my name. Uh, you can send either one of us a DM, guys. Uh, if it yeah. comes to me, I just screenshot it and send it straight to Caleb. Yeah, that's pretty much so, it. Yeah. Honestly, you may as well just send them straight to Caleb. And <laughs> obviously, <laughs> just specify that it is a your four question as yeah, well. Yeah, of course. Caleb, we have four questions. Let's go. Let's go. All right. Question number one. How do you help a staff member who just keeps making mistakes forgive or punish them? I feel like this is… <laughs> on one end of the spectrum, we have forgive. On the other end, we have punish. <laughs> what, a, uh, what, a, what a broad uh, a range of answers we have to choose from there. There's a couple of things here. The first… Like I, my, my immediate position is fall back into uh, responsibility, right? Is uh, as this person's manager or this person's boss… Uh, have I given them everything that I can give them? Have I provided them with everything I can provide them to prevent them making these mistakes, right? Have I trained them correctly? Have I given them the resources that they need? Have I invested the time in them that I needed to invest in them to, to, uh, to uh, upskill them to a point where they shouldn't be making these mistakes? Or are they making these mistakes because it's on me because I haven't done that? Right. So that's that's my, you know, my responsibility hat comes on, my accountability hat comes on. Have I done everything I can do for you to put you in a position where you're not making these mistakes? If the answer to that question is no, then I need to sort my shit out and and provide you with what I need to provide you. If the answer to that question is yes, the next thing that I'll look at is are you making the same mistakes? Right? Is this like, you know what, you made a mistake you figured out what caused it. You should have learned from the mistake. You haven't learned. You've made the same fucking mistake. And now we've got ourselves a problem. Or are you making different mistakes? And mistakes along the way that you're learning from, you're analyzing, you're growing, you're developing, you're getting better are not a bad thing, right? I even encourage those sorts of mistakes because it means that you're leveling up. If you're making the same mistakes over and over again, 
then we got ourselves a bit of a problem. And the way that that problem gets resolved uh, in, is in one of two ways. The first way is, are you the right person for the position? If you're making the same mistakes over and over again, you're probably not. So we need to either look at putting you in a different position that perhaps suits your skill set better or suits your personality better or just suits you as a person better. And if we can't do that, then we need to move you out of the business because we can't be having you make the same mistakes multiple times. Yeah, and especially if you've already, you know, kind of addressed that mistake in the first place and you've given them all the tools and everything, then yeah, 100%, that's just a fair and it's just what it is, to be honest. Caleb, we've had multiple situations in the Massive Joe's business where I have had this situation, right, where I've had staff members, I've given them everything I can give them, they've continued making the same mistakes, I've kind of, I guess, fallen back on empathy and I've said, okay, well, maybe you're just not the right person for this job. Let me find a different position for you within the company. I found them a different position. The shit's just clicked and they've become an all-star employee. Multiple times that's happened. And that kind of brings me to a point that I have and it comes down to perception. You know what I mean? Like a lot of people, and what I'm noticing from this question here is they just keep making mistakes. What that kind of says to me is that's all that you're perceiving about that person. Like, are you perceiving the good that they have in the first place? You know, are you looking and going, okay, actually this is the good things that they offer me and these kind of mistakes are not the main thing that I'm going to focus on. And then you can maybe, okay, they keep making that mistake. I can take them out of there, but I can take them into something that's good for them and they can grow in that. Um, but I also kind of think when you notice that people are making mistakes and you're only focusing on the mistakes that people are making, then you got to kind of look at yourself as well and go, because the way that you look at people is the way that you look at yourself too. So if you go and you just keep looking at all the mistakes that everyone's making, then inwardly you're just looking at yourself like that as well. And you're, you're actually missing opportunities for yourself to grow. So I think, yeah. And then flipping it onto the whole forgive or punish. Uh, forgive. For me, it, for me, it always comes down to forgive. Now, I even think like punishment as well, like that's kind of perceived quite wrong. A lot of people think that they have to punish. Like I'm going to have to be the one for punishing if people make mistakes. Where I'm in the belief that actually we aren't the ones who punish it's just the consequences of our actions. You know what I mean? There are going to be consequences for the actions. If someone makes mistakes, there's going to be consequences. That might mean that they end up losing their job, but it's not up to us who actually does the punishment, if that makes sense as well. Well, even, even if we get to that situation where you're making the same mistakes, I've done everything I can do to put you in a position to not make those mistakes. There's a mismatch of skill set. I can't move you anywhere else in the business, so I have to move you on. That's not necessarily punishing somebody. That's, allow, that's closing one door and allowing them to open another door and go and find something that is going to perhaps bring them more fulfillment and more satisfaction in a position that's better suited to their skill set where they can excel and be a fucking boss. And even again, Ultimately, even it's not punishment. Stay, yeah. Even again, like speaking on forgiveness and coming from personal experience, and forgiveness is so important because it gives you the opportunity to let things go. Mm. Otherwise, what I've noticed is if you just don't let that go and you refuse to forgive somebody for an action that they made or a mistake that they made, if you move them on and dismiss them and you bring in somebody new, you actually end up finding that they do the exact same thing. Yeah, you, well, then, then it's on you, right? Yeah. 100%. Uh, and, and also in it, you know, you got to forgive that other person so that they can move on from their mistake as well. Works both ways. Yeah. Next question. 
All right. That's a big one. I remember a friend once told me he didn't want to go into business with his dad because he was scared of having a fallout of damaging their relationship. Have any relationships with family changed after going into business with them? Have you ever had challenges working with them? And are there certain boundaries you set to make sure your relationships with them aren't impacted? It's like three, three or four questions in one there. <laughs> All right. So first up, I have yeah. to address this because this is a, a, an assumption that is made quite frequently that is just not a true assumption. Uh, I'm not in business with my family. A lot of people think that because I have my immediate family work within the Massive Joes and TMJ Apparel business that I'm in business with them. That's not the case at all. My family members work for me, right? I started this shit as a, a fucking 19-year-old in my bedroom uh, in 2005 and I grinded that motherfucker by myself. I didn't hire my first employee until 2009. So it was four years of just me doing everything I could do, every single part of the business. The first family member to start working for me was my mum in 2011 um, to help out with some, some financial stuff and some cash flow control and all those bits and pieces. I actually fired my mum in 2012. <laughs> That's a story that I haven't told before. Um, and then brought her back into the business in, uh, I won't go into details, uh, brought her back into the business in uh, 2013 and she's been within the business ever since. My sister didn't start until 2014 and then my dad works, for, works in the business as well and he started in 2016. Uh, and, you know, all three of my immediate, that's my immediate family. I don't have any brothers or, or sisters. And all of them work within the business with specified positions. My mum is our financial controller and runs internal HR. My sister is our retail operations manager and TMJ Apparel head designer. And my dad is our international logistics manager and project manager. So th those are their roles within the business. Um, they're staff members within the business like every other staff member. So I just want to, you know, make sure that I get the clarity out around that because a lot of people think it's like a family business. Uh, it's not at all. And you know that firsthand. You work, you work yeah, in the business yeah, no, for, absolutely. For, for many years. Uh, so now that that's out, the, I guess the, the first part, because it is a loaded question, the first part of the question, have any relationships with family changed after going into business with them? I think my personal relationships with my mom, my dad, and my sister, um, honestly, have probably improved. And I think that there's a couple of reasons for that. I think the first one, the most obvious one, is the fact that I get to see them almost every day, right? Um, like a lot of people don't get to see their brother or, sis or siblings every single day. You know, as you grow up, you don't get to see your parents every single day. So the fact that I get more... Uh, FaceTime with them, real FaceTime, not Facebook FaceTime, uh, definitely has helped improve our relationship. And I think the other side of that is, you know, in the business environment, I'm quite candid um, with all staff members and that includes my family. And I think that that, that candor has probably improved our personal relationships as well. Uh, so I think so far as the relationships have changed, I think that they've probably gotten better. Um, the second part of the question, have you ever had challenges working with them? Yeah, 100%. Like it, it, they're staff members, right? Like yeah. every other staff member. And it's just part of the work environment is you're going to have periods of time where you clash heads. You're going to have periods of time where you got to 
pull them back into line. Perhaps they've drifted off. You, like it's, you know, nothing kind of changes in that regard. I think you, you probably throw on top of those typical employee challenges, the blurring of uh, personal and professional relationships from time to time, which is something that is unique to, uh, to, a, to a family working, family member working in a business relationship or working, uh, you know, professionally relationship. And that, you know, is tricky from time to time, but we've done a good job of setting boundaries with regards to that. So, you know, when we're at work, I'm the boss and your employees and your staff members, and that's the relationship. That's how it flows. When we're not at work, I'm my parents' son and my sister's brother and that's that relationship and, you know, I'm no longer the boss in that environment or in that scenario so the relationship changes and I think that, you know, having a lot of clarity around where those boundaries sit and how those boundaries operate practically has allowed us to have, you know, pretty productive working relationships in the professional sense and then hasn't negatively affected our personal relationships in the family sense. You know, well, I don't really have uh, any family that I guess, well, not um, in business with or even that work for me, you know. <laughs> um, I, I kind of look at the question because it mentions how he's scared of having like a fallout or damaging the relationship. And that kind of, it, it does ring like a bit of red flags for me. You know what I mean? Like it's scared. That means that he's let that fear set in. And sometimes I think, you know, if you were interested, if you were thinking about going into business with somebody, you don't want to go into that with that fear as a driving factor. Because when you're going to face difficult, you know, situations, that fear is going to be the main thing that takes over. I will, I will say this though, Caleb, I yeah. think that it, it can be justified in certain circumstances because if you have cracks in your personal relationships, right? With a particular family member or even a friend, right? If you go into business with a friend, someone that you have a some sort of personal relationship on a personal level that is not commercial and not professional and you decide to then grow, go and throw a professional or a commercial business relationship on top of that. If you have cracks in that personal relationship before you go and throw the business relationship on top, that business relationship is going to put a magnifying glass, if not a telescope, yeah. on those cracks. Yeah, that's what I'm pretty much getting to. Is, it's yeah. going to expose. So you want to make sure that your personal relationship with whoever you're thinking about going into some sort of business or professional relationship with is fucking airtight before you go and throw the, the kerosene of a business relationship on top of it because it will expose any issues for sure. I think just one last thing in this regard, you know, a, an additional challenge, and this is, this is um, you'll resonate with this, I think, because you've been, you've been working here at, at headquarters for quite some time now, and I'm sure that you have um, experienced this personally, if not seen other staff members go through it. Uh, and this is, this is being completely upfront and honest because I think that it's important that the listeners who uh, perhaps are considering going into uh, a business relationship with friends or family need to need to know this because this is the reality of the situation is one of the most difficult things is actually managing the perception of non-family staff members about the family staff members, right? And then vice versa as well. And let me, let me explain this in a little bit more detail. 
When you bring somebody into a business who you have a personal relationship with, family, friend, spouse, whatever the situation is, right? You have that existing personal relationship and you bring them into a business environment. Everybody who doesn't have that existing personal relationship is going to automatically assume that that person who you do have the existing personal relationship with is going to be treated differently. And in particular, they're going to be treated more favorably, right? You have to manage that expectation. Most of the time, if you're a good manager, it's not the case, but it doesn't change the fact that the perception's still there. It's very easy to overcorrect, and I've definitely been guilty of this in the past, where I'm actually harder on my family than I am on other staff members because I'm trying to overcompensate for that perception that they're getting favored. Okay, yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Right? Yeah. So this kind of balancing of understand, having the humility to understand that the non-family staff members are going to have this perception of the family staff members being favored, not overcompensating by being harder on the family staff members than you are on the non-family staff members and balancing those perceptions in both directions is probably the most difficult thing. <laughs> mm. Have you seen some of that? I have. I have. Yeah, and I'm like, go. yeah, yeah. And that yeah. makes a lot of sense, man. Yeah. So yeah, I can definitely resonate with that. Yeah. For real. All right. Next question. All right. You are very open and transparent on social media, particularly about the daily tools, habits, and strategies you use to aid your success. Are you ever hesitant about giving too much away in fear that your competitors, whether it be in business, fitness, or any other area, may be watching or taking notes? Are there certain cards you keep there? Are there certain cards you keep close to your chest, or is there something that doesn't concern you? And if so, why? It doesn't concern me. Like straight yeah, up, I knew you know, the, the answer <laughs> to the question is it, it doesn't concern me. That's the short answer. To elaborate in a little bit more detail. I have adopted an infinite mindset, right? And it's taken me many years to get to this position. So if you go like fixed mindset, growth mindset, people are pretty aware of the differences between the two. We've done multiple episodes of this podcast on, on that. Infinite mindset is like the growth mindset on a rocket ship, right? Where opportunity is infinite. Competition is good because it helps you get better. And there's no point kind of keeping your cards close to your chest because the more information you share, the better it is for everybody. And because there's infinite opportunity, everybody can level up, right? So that's, that's my default mindset position now. Wasn't always. I definitely, you know, I went through fixed mindset when I was younger and kind of had to develop that into a growth mindset. And, you know, now as I'm kind of getting older and wiser and more experienced in business and I've seen more, I know that that infinite mindset is actual fact. So when I apply infinite mindset to this question, uh, it doesn't concern me at all because I actually, I want to share this advice with my competitors in fitness, in business, and wherever the fuck. I don't care. Yeah. I want them to get better because as they get better, that encourages me to get better, right? It's, it's like a worthy rival thing, right? I want to see my worthy rivals doing well because they help me get better. They put pressure on me to level up. They help me grow. They help me develop. They help me get better. So that's why I have no problem being, you know, completely open and sharing everything, pretty much everything that I know. The other side of that, and you know this better than most, is that execution is everything and most people won't execute, right? I can give you 
the best recipe in the world for apple cinnamon cake, you still have to go and cook the fucking cake, right? And that's all of this information that I share is the recipe for success in fitness, in business, in career, in relationships. You have to do the fucking work. You have to execute the information that I'm providing. And the fact of the matter is, most people won't do it. Yeah, well, look, that's pretty much what I was going to say. I was like, look, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of people out there who are, you know, providing all these kind of tools and stuff, but how many people are actually executing it? Um, uh, for me personally, being in, and going into more of that open and transparentness as well is, and this is something that I've learned from personal experience and touches on my heart quite a bit, is I'm somebody who actually lived a very closed off life. And not just closed off in terms of social media, but just closed off from family, from friends, um, and experienced all the feelings and emotions that went along with that. Um, but then experienced change in life. You know what I mean? A lot of people usually go down this one, I guess, journey in life, this one path where they're like, either you're closed off or you're open and there's no in between. And, you know, we are sort of talking about that kind of fixed and growth mindset here. Um, and so now being open and transparent is a great thing for me on social media because I can share that with other people in hopes to inspire somebody else who may be going down that journey in life. You know what I mean? Um, so that is a huge thing. But I also think focusing on, on why we do it as well. Like, what is the, the main driving factor for why we're so open on social media? So like, why? What, like, what's your why? Apart from just, you know, helping, you know, I guess others level up and things like that. So for me, I'm always like anchoring back into a solid foundation of why you do it and why that's important is also really cool. Well, so much of what's important to me, man, is helping and inspiring other people. Like I get, I get so much fulfillment out of that, you know, and, and for the majority of my career, health and fitness has been the vehicle to do that. Now it's kind of starting to, to drip feed into the personal development space and, and the business mentoring space and um, the personal mentoring space. Uh, but that's a big driver for me is like I'm, I'm trying to provide as much value as I can to help and inspire people get better in all areas of their life. So that's a huge why for me. Um, just the last part of this question was about, you know, are there certain cards that I keep close to my chest. There are a few, right? I, like there's certain, there's certain things uh, in terms of proprietary intellectual property, especially when it comes to business that, you know, I'm not going to hop on a podcast and explain in detail to you guys why we've set up subtext, for example, and why the text messaging platform is so powerful for us. I'm not going to jump on here and give you the nitty gritty details of how the Massive Joe's affiliate team works, right? And how we've set that up, right? There's some bits and pieces that I'm like, you know what, that's at this stage in my career, that's highly proprietary, highly valuable information that we use in the Massive Joe's business. And, you know, for me to get on here and give that information to all of our competitors would uh, be doing a disservice to, uh, to everybody who relies on this business for their, for their well-being, right? Um, so, you know, there's, there's certain things there. The other thing is 
a lot of the advice that I give is very general, right? It's not personalized advice. Um, and that's just the nature of the fact that we have millions of downloads on this podcast, right? I can't go to every single person and give personalized advice. That's why I do mentoring where, you know, my, my um, mentees pay me very good money to kind of take all of this general advice that I provide for free uh, to whoever wants to tune into it and kind of narrow it down to, you know what, this is your personal circumstances, your personal situation. This is the business you have right now that you're trying to scale. This is the way that your personal daily habits and routines are set up and they don't align with who you're trying to become. And that's where I provide very personal advice on, okay, we're here, we're trying to get to this level and this is how we're going to do it. And just by the nature of the platform, obviously I can't provide personalized advice with regards to that. But the general stuff, absolutely, the more the better. And, um, you know, I, I, I'm not concerned about sharing all of it. Last question. When do you decide enough is enough to take time off of work for the sake of your mental health? How do you determine that you're not in a good state of mind to be working? This is a, a very good question. Um, a very personal question in the fact that everybody deals with mental health challenges in a unique way, right? And so what I'm about to say is the way that I deal with my personal mental health challenges. So this is, uh, you know, this is not a blanket, everybody should do this because, you know, I understand the fragility of this question and the fact that everybody has different ways of processing their own mental health struggles. For me personally, my work is generally good for my mental health. So if I'm going through, you know, a tough patch of anxiety or, you know, I'm feeling overwhelmed or I've got a little bit of imposter syndrome, um, you know, in the back of my head that I actually had at the start of this week, believe it or not, uh, working for me is a really good way to kind of compartmentalize, keep myself focused on the task at hand, keep myself productive and allow my thoughts to work through that mental health struggle that I'm going through. So to answer the question, you know, how do you decide when enough is enough to take time off work for the sake of your mental health? I actually probably do the opposite. I go deeper into work when, when I'm, you know, confronted with, with mental health uh, challenges. That being said, you know, the general advice that I can give um, is to seek professional advice, you know, if you can, uh, if you can afford the resources to to see a psychologist, you know, a professional psychologist will help you work through these serious mental health issues. To be completely honest, I still see a psychologist once every month or two months, um, depending on you know if I'm going through some mental health shit that I uh, am not too sure how to work through. I'll give my psychologist a, a text message and I say, you know, can I make an appointment? I need to come see you. I need some help with how to deal with this tricky situation that uh, is getting the better of me. And I think that seeking that professional health, if you have access to it, um, is is the best course of action. Yeah. Look, this one hits home to me a little bit, you know, because like I've been there. Um, and Most people have. Yeah. Most people have. Most people have and… The unfortunate, well, not unfortunate, I'd say actually a little bit fortunate thing for me was, is I guess I did a little bit of deeper diving into it. And, um, you know, I looked at when I was, I got some time off of work. That was what it was. 
And now I'm not saying that this is the same scenario for somebody else. You know, I got some time off of work. I was planning a holiday and then a pandemic hit. Mm. And I was kind of, you know, forced into this place where actually I had a lot more time off of work than what I thought. So, you know, te- and I was all like, and I, it came, it brought me to the realization that it wasn't, wasn't work. Actually, I'd been working so hard mm. and I burnt myself out from working so hard mm. because I was dealing with an underlying issue. That, that, was, that was the reality. I was like, okay, you know, I've been working so hard and it's not because the hard work is actually, you know, making me feel something. There's something else there. And even, even through the pandemic, I was not willing to deal with that underlying issue. I started finding other ways to work hard as we tend to do. We tend to be like, all right, we got one thing taken away from us. Let's quickly just fill it with something else until we deal with the underlying issue. So, you know, as, as hard as it might be for us to kind of look deep into ourselves, because sometimes kind of ask, well, you know, if this isn't it, what is it that's, you know, bothering us? And obviously, you know, I, I found that within myself. And again, it's going to be different with everybody. And, you know, when it comes to seeking uh, professional help, I'm 100% with you on that one as well. But, you know, maybe if someone's working hard and they're just trying to fill it with something else, maybe it's time to take away and, and do a bit of reflecting, reflecting. It's funny you mention that because I have a little story that I want to share with the listeners um, about when I did exactly what you said. Like I overcompensated um, by uh, investing in the work side of my life and investing in quantitative metrics in the work side of my life to um, overcompensate for what wasn't happening in my personal life. And I think that this probably is, is a good way of illustrating this, the answer to the second part of the question, which is how do you determine that you're not in a good state of mind to be working? So in 2018, I went through a divorce and my, uh, it was a very painful, very traumatic, very unexpected uh, divorce. Uh, and... I, one of the ways that I dealt with it was to really bury myself in work, right? And I got to the point where I was chasing vanity metrics in, in my business to overcompensate for the fact that my personal life was falling to pieces, right? So I didn't have good shit happening over here in my personal life. I'm like, I'm just gonna, I'm, I'm just gonna go all in over here and try and chase external validation and try and chase vanity metrics and try and, you know, um, get some good results over here. So hopefully that will make me feel a little bit better about all the shit that's happening over here. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. The, it was, yeah. Like, it was oh, like a yeah. serious overcompensation. And so I was really not in a good state of mind to be making important business decisions at that point because my mental health was so fucked. Uh, I, I should not have been making any sort of important business decision. The day-to-day is, yeah, sure. But the business decisions around opening new retail stores was probably not the decisions that I was in the state of mind to be making. And because I was trying to overcompensate for the failures in my personal life through business, I, you know, my thing in 2018 was I wanted to get to 10 retail stores, right? We were at six, I wanted to get to 10. So I went and opened four retail stores in seven months, purely from business cash flow right? No borrowed money, nothing. You know how much it costs us to open a retail store in terms of fit out, in terms of stock investment, so on and so forth. You do the maths, four and seven months is a shit ton of cash 
to pull out of business cash flow. And the effect that that had on business cash flow through 2018, 2019, and then the shit hit the fan with the pandemic 2020 was devastating. But that was the product of me making important business decisions that I really was not in the right state of mind to be making. So I think the second part of that question, how do you determine when you're not in a good state of mind to be working, uh, is that's probably a good example, right? If you're, if you're in a position where you don't have the stability in your mental health to be making any sort of decision, whether it's a crew, it depends, you know, what your work looks like. For me, a lot of the decisions I make are important decisions. But if you're, you know, um, working in a retail store and it's just the day-to-day small little decisions that you need to make, if, you're, if you don't have the mental health stability to be making the decisions that you need to make on a day-to-day basis, that's probably a good sign that, you know what, you need, a little, you need to take a step back. You need to not overcompensate with your work to make up for the failings in your mental health or the mental health challenges that you're currently dealing with. You need to invest in those mental health challenges, do what you need to do, start to get more stability with your mental health so that you can make the correct decisions when you go back to the workplace. Yeah, I think also just don't be afraid to be real and honest with yourself. It's only yourself who you're fighting against. You know what I mean? Like... There's no shame in saying, okay, I don't feel good here or I've stuffed up here or actually I'm not happy here. Mm. I think that's really important. Definitely. But yeah, I mean, you know, the mental health thing is like I I like talking about it because I feel like there's still so much stigma around it and I feel like not a lot of people talk enough about it, especially in like the, the entrepreneurship success circles everyone's kind of like fucking iron man and it's like you know they never deal with imposter syndrome and they never deal with anxiety and they never deal with the feeling of overwhelm and all that which is just fucking bullshit because everyone that i talk to who has experienced any sort of success in the business world deals with this shit on a daily basis that's the truth a lot of people just don't have the courage to fucking talk about it so i'm happy to talk about it but i do caveat it with this is my personal experience. This is how I deal with it. These are the mistakes that I've made. And it's not a one size fits all situation. Everybody's slightly different. Everybody's slightly unique, which is why I come back to, you know, if you have access to, to a professional, it's the, it, it, it's why I still do it. Right? Like I, I'm, I have most of the tools and the resources that I will need to deal with different mental health challenges for probably the rest of my life. But I still do it because sometimes it may just be a slightly different way of looking at different thought patterns or a slightly something that I've overlooked that has kind of aligned in my life. Then I'm like, oh, fuck, that's why that hit me in the face the way that it hit me in the face. And I didn't even realize it. And having that professional third party external set of eyes, um, you know, can help you deal with the unique ways that you need to deal with your own mental health. Yeah. And dude, I think it's really important that, you know, you you say these things and you you mention the fact that, you know, yes, you've experienced success, but you still come against all of these failures and everything else and you still experience these anxieties and everything. I think that's really freeing for a lot of people who maybe have struggled and haven't experienced that success on such levels. You know what I mean? That we actually are all, all in that same boat. A hundred percent, you know, and I, I think that sharing it from my perspective as well, you know, I see so many times people think that 
they can't achieve certain things in their life because they have to deal with imposter syndrome or because they experience anxiety or because they, whatever the mental health thing is, it's like that's the barrier. And you know what? These people I look up to don't experience that. And therefore, I can't achieve the sort of success of the people who I look up to because I'm disabled by this mental health challenge that is kind of the dark cloud floating. Everybody has it. Everybody goes through it. Everybody deals with it. And to be honest, Caleb, the more success you experience, the more frequent you have to deal with that shit. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I guess the problem is everyone just sees that highlight reel, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Big facts, man. Big facts. That's a wrap. Yeah, man. For this episode of the Your 4 Fitness Times Business Podcast. Guys, if you have enjoyed the show, uh, if you've taken value, if we've resonated with you, uh, if you've had a laugh along the way, the one thing that Caleb and I ask in return is that you share the show. Uh, Share it person to person next time you're at the dinner table or the lunchroom and you guys are talking about the show that you've seen on Netflix or the reel that you've watched on Instagram, any sort of content, you know, give us a little shout out. Say the Fitness Times Business Podcast is where it's at. I got a whole lot of value out of the last episode of Your Four with Caleb and Joseph. Uh, Another way that we really love seeing it shared, guys, is take a screenshot of whatever podcasting platform you're listening on, Spotify, iTunes, maybe your um, uh, SoundCloud I don't even fucking know. We're on all of them. Whatever you're tuning into, I don't want to be discriminatory. Uh, Take a screenshot, post it in your Instagram story or your Facebook story. Tag myself at Joseph Menzel. Tag Caleb at Caleb.F-I-E. G-E-R-T. Got it. There it is. beautiful. Uh, And we like seeing those tags and we reshare as many of them as possible because we're just trying to reach as many people with this information as we can. Absolutely. That's it. We don't run ads on the show. We don't advertise the show. It's completely word of mouth and it's, uh, it's, it's just about bringing value. Caleb, thank you so much. Pleasure. Guys, you could have been anywhere in the world right now, but you're here with us. We appreciate that. Until next time, catch you on the flip side. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Fitness Times Business Podcast. We hope you enjoyed listening. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform. And if you enjoyed this episode and took some value from it, make sure you share it with your friends, your family, and your followers. And if you haven't yet, be sure to leave us a five-star rating.